Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Dang. It's got to stop, people. This oh, is Bob. There's Chuck over there. We are... Hello? Here again for another episode of Don't Die, and sometimes I get off on my tangent, sometimes I get self-righteous and angry, and sometimes I'm just in a plain old good mood, and today, tonight I'm in a plain old good mood, you know. Wow. Um, Mike, write this day down. Huh? Mike needs to write this day down. Yeah, well, I mean, I was in a bad mood earlier, but I really just, I get frustrated, and I, I have... You know, I just think that people should speak their minds. I come from an era where people spoke their minds. Mm -hmm. Instead of guarding every word that they say, worried about what people, how people are going to interpret it or whether they'll be attacked. You know, I, I work with a lot of people that are very guarded about what they say. They like control. And, and that's why how we get a watered-down nothingness world. Because everybody's worried about saying something they might get attacked for. I'm just sick of kids dying. And I'll argue with people and I'll be self-righteous or I'll be crazy about it. But one of the things that you brought up in the last episode when I was going off about the 12-step world is that there is good. Even in the horror, there is good. And one of the things I was going to talk about is all the successes. I wanted to tell about a lot of millennials that I've seen get sober. A lot of people yeah. that have been to 20 and 30 treatment centers that, are, that are, have turned their lives around. And, and, you know, the, the, it's, it's only a handful of my real, of, of the real transformations the last couple of years, I'd say. They all work in treatment. That's good. It is the default way that the stuff sinks in. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And as long as there's enough clean time and i think it's important that they find some well you've real met job. some of them ryan that worked for me the, the that was in the house with your son okay he now has two years over two years he works at a treatment center he was a client then he became the house manager at my sober living in hollywood right then you know then, and it's it's typical of these relationships and i hope he's not mad at me but i love him like a son and but then he goes bob um, you know, I, I, uh, I think I should get paid for being house manager. Good for him. <laughs> I saw you making the big, big bucks. Yeah, all awesome. the money I made. Yeah, show me the money, I was like, Bob. well, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, you have your own room. And he goes, well, that's how sober living had always that. worked. There's not four beds in each room. And, uh. And he goes, well, I really want to stay with you, and I love doing this, but I would need like $800 a month. And I was like, dude, I don't make $800 a month. <laughs> I was like breaking even. And so I was like, well, I can't. I don't know. I'll try. I don't know. We'll probably have to figure out how to raise the price, but the people that are here can't afford to stay here. Right. So I kept lowering the price so that people wouldn't leave and whatever. So it was a, it was a disaster, me owning a sober living. But what came of it was him, this other kid, Max, that rose up out of being clients into house managers and mm -hmm. then moved on out of that, used that experience of being the house manager for like four or six months to parlay that into working as a nighttime tack at a rehab. 
right, right? And and about, about, about the about about the year point and then well go get yourself some school it's important yeah well they get into marketing too is what they get into well there there's you a know. problem i'm not, I'm not going to get happy if we talk about the body brokering <laughs> and the, all the stuff that goes no on no no i don't ugly. i don't think there's as much body brokering going on as there was two years ago. i think there are people getting caught doing it and so it's, it's there are people it's like, it's like seeing the sharks out in long beach all of a sudden there's sharks in the ocean so people they're catching some of the body brokers so now it's on most people's you yeah, know, but I, it was really going on. It's 2014. It was like crazy. Right. Right. But it still exists, and we watch it really hard where we are. No, but the, the, like anything, I truly believe that the people have the power. The kids know it now. The kids, the, the addicts themselves, know that they're being brokered back and forth, and they've stepped in, and though it's not ideal, They've demanded some of the compensation that I've heard. No, yeah, it, that's it, crazy. It, they go to the, that they, is crazy. They, There's one particular rehab I know. Uh, I'm not going to say where, but I know that they actually pay. <laughs> they pay the clients to stay there. How insane is the world that we live in? No, this is that's exactly, this is insanity. 100 true. Say that. Say the the broker gets fifteen hundred dollars for the the person going and staying. They'll tell the client, "I'll give you five hundred dollars if you move to this other rehab today." So you got people showing up with like two or three weeks sober because they got five hundred dollars from the first place, and then they're gonna get five hundred dollars from the second. It's place. It's crazy because the insurance is so good. <clears throat> but the, and and that that's one of those things you really have to, if you're not. If you don't have a, a good it will eye for weed, that. You don't believe it'll weed its way out. That's what I'm trying is, to do with we, National it Addiction. It's way out. I, I'll, I'll tell you what National Addiction Foundation is. It's a centralized placement for only people I like. Right? <laughs> oh, programs you like. Yeah, pr- programs I like. Right. But programs are people. Right? Right. They're just people. Right. So there are programs I like. I love, I obviously love the places that I own and work at. Right? Laguna Detox, Southern California Addiction Center, Aloe. But there are a lot of good programs that I love. Refuge in Hollywood, right? I direct patients there all the time. I don't get anything for it. I just say, you know what? If 12-step isn't working for you, you should call Louisha. You should go over. There's a whole thing based on Buddhism. You'll love it. It's a great community of kids. It's really fun. You get free meditation. At the very least, you'll go to rehab for 90 days, and you'll learn how to meditate. It, it, how fucking great how is, is that? that bad? How is that bad? Right? So there's refuge. There's the place that's don't, backing the don't die message pillars. And and they're listening to me programmatically. You know, um, Darren that owns it, he like, he picks my brain. He's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, you know, that comes from this. Because I've been around a long time. And he's an eager person that really wants to know what it used to be like. Because he got in like five, eight years ago. He only knows what it's been like. He doesn't know like what treatment was like 25 years ago, right? right? right. And so I, I just only place people in treatment centers that I trust, that I like the people that work there, that I know the staff is compassionate, well-licensed, you know what I mean? You have to come down and see what we got going on. Yeah, I well, I'm, I'm surprised. I, 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 think, I think you'd be interested. Because Warren had turned his back on that world because he was so disgusted. I in a general way, but 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 I really want to get back to the kids that are succeeding. Right. So, you know, there's nothing better than a kid you got out of jail and you see on Facebook he's like with his girlfriend at the driving range. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's nothing cooler than that. No, it is and, cool to see their real lives take off. I know that that there's a couple. Well, there's a whole there's a small herd of them. 
which is how they go. There's like, it seems like there's a successful herd and then there's a bunch of like dropouts and then there's like another successful herd. It seems like they group up at least. Yeah, in they, Hollywood they yeah, do. And they, they group up and then, so I'm watching all these ones that have gone off and they're, they've all got kids. That Don't a like, lot of them work in treatment? A lot of them end up back where they went through. Yeah. You know, they go, they get their Northbound well, well job, or... they get their get well jobs and then they end up back at the place unless it goes under which has happened with some of the places, but you know, they find work in, in rehab. And I think it's great because they're firm believers in it and they know how important that person can be. I mean, that's why it's very powerful. If a 22 year old is telling a 22 year old how full of shit they are as opposed to two fifty year olds. Right. right. We're a hundred years of old men sitting here. They're not going to hear us, but somebody with a year who's been working, who's got their own place. They've got a girl, they've got a baby on their way and they're happy. Yeah, those and guys got doing something the to do. Sell. Doing the do, as as Buddy Arnold used to say. So these kids are doing the do. Now, are they doing the do the way that I think they should do the do? Rarely, right? But is it working? It's but, working. So, so what I'm saying is, here's an interesting thing as to why I'm so unorthodox. I come from KDAC training, Minnesota model, Hazelden supervised person, right? You sh the rule always was you should at least have three years sobriety to work in treatment. I was an adamant about that, right? Dr. Drew said five years. So I couldn't hmm. I couldn't even hire techs. Do you know how hard it was to hire a tech who had five years sobriety right. in 2001? And offer it was fucking wage. impossible. <laughs> For minimum wage. Right? right? So then I started doing non-addicts who were in in uh school right so nursing schools uh PsyD schools um marriage and family therapy schools if you were in school in a highly in a high education kind of racket and you need a 14 dollars an hour job because that's what a hospital well, for, for the interns it, too i mean that's where you really want you want the interns in those programs but i'm talking about just kids in their first year of of mft school right. they're not in supervision okay. you want a job i got a job for you you know 7 a.m to 3 30 you just watch drug addicts make sure they don't die can you do that watch, watch them smoke <laughs> watch, watch them smoke. smoke so so i was adamant that you should have at least because i didn't want the kids to get loaded right so the the employees so i always felt like if you had a year sober and you were like in charge of drug addicts i would have cracked up with power you know what i mean but that's just me so Slowly but surely, the residential treatment model rolled back the the length of sobriety. I think some places you can have six months sobriety and work there, right? right. And, and in general, it's like a year. Rough. Being a house manager is about as intense as. But you gets. know, at my house, I lived there too. I just didn't want to listen to all the bullshit. Right. Well, you, you had a nice dividing wall. <laughs> <between laughs> Should we go into that? So I lived. So I went through this horrible divorce like three years, four years ago. Started four, three years ago. And um, I didn't want my ex-wife and kid to have to move and go to war about money. Like money's not that important. So I was just going to give over my check to them that I got from Aloe, the treatment center in Malibu. And I would have to fend for myself. And I had this little fledgling sober living that kind of broke even, but I would put my clients in there and then I case manage them. And it, that was like the fit, right? Okay. So I could make a little extra right. money to survive. So then when the finally she wanted me to move out in January of I forget what it was. January, what's the year is it now? January of two thousand fourteen, I guess. Thirteen. 
13? 14. Right? The three years, three, three and a half years ago. Yeah, that would yeah. be. Yeah. So when I moved out, because we were already, you know, how you can be not so together and still in the same house. Are you familiar with that no, environment? That's, that's a horrible situation. <laughs> I know some people going through it. Are they going through it now? Yeah. Oh, I suggest you do what I did in January, which is move into your own sober living with a bunch of drug addicts. <laughs> oh, God. That'll cheer you up. Oh, man. And what a loser you are. <laughs> so so it was just necessity to put that wall in (laughs) right that wall wasn't there you know so what i gotta tell you is yeah the kitchen wall it wasn't there it was wide open come over to bob's and hang out so i i paid paid a couple of friends of mine to put up that wall with the door so what it did was it gave me a little bit of separation away from the clients Mm -hmm. though i was living in the same house uh 17 years sober with my compadres (laughs) so when i built the wall i decided like maybe i should have one of those people like in charge over there so i really don't have to worry that everybody's breathing (laughs) thus came the house manager thing that's a that was a great idea and they got their own room Mm -hmm. right so everybody liked it until after about three months then they're just like you know what I don't have any cigarette money. I'm like, dude, I'll buy you a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> oh, you, I'm not even going to call you what you are. <laughs> Tight one? <laughs> that is just rough. I'll, I'll buy you a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, buy you, let's go to the Cigarettes R Us. I'll get you two of those 388 <laughs> packages. Those GPCs. Yeah. <laughs> you cheap man. So, so, so first, the first one was at Skymax. Then he got sober and headed on out. Then there was, then there was, uh, Ryan and he got sober and headed on out. Then there was Jared and he got sober and headed on out, and um, uh, had a few mishaps and whatever. But but it really helped those guys, and they're all in their early twenties, mid twenties, right? And I believe that what it was was the connection with with sobriety always and caring about that your son or the other guys in the house don't die, right? Right now, it was their responsibility. Like, dude, you're in charge. I'm going upstairs to masturbate and watch television. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, well, dude, I, what was I supposed to do? My life was fucking pathetic. Well, I don't know. I, that's a visual I don't need. Well, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, well, yeah, I, I try to be as honest as I can. <laughs> okay. I try to run an honest program. Well, yeah. But I mean, you know, or watch basketball or whatever. You, you know. went upstairs to watch basketball much better. Yeah, Let's go but there. that wasn't always the case. <laughs> you poor lonely man. I was so I'm lonely. <laughs> I, was so, I was thinking about killing myself, to be honest with you. Wow. But I couldn't because Elvis and whatever, you know. No. And I've always been, even as depressed as I will get in life, I've always been, well, I've been here before and it turned out all right. Do you have life insurance? Yeah, somewhere. Is it a lot? Like 50000 or 100000 or something? 100000 be be worth it. It would be worth it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> don't, don't you not get it if you kill yourself? No, you won't, but Elvis would be like, my dad was so cool. Oh, but he'll get the money? Right, he'll get the money. He would? Yeah, make it I think so they have the a thing where... I've seen it on movies where you don't get the money if you killed yourself. The kid, the kid doesn't. Well, you could make it look like an accident. Yeah, that's what you I could have pulled off to the do. balcony. Anyways, I didn't really think about it in great detail. I was just like, "How is my life? I'm fucking fifty years old. I'm I'm seventeen years sober, sixteen years sober, 
and I'm living in sober living, right? But I persevered because and it's your sober living. It was called Bob's House Hollywood. I love that Bob's right? House Hollywood. And and through default, you came up with a perfect way of cycling people out. That's like what uh, Salvation Army does. They pay their people, but not enough, <laughs> so that they'll stay there, so yeah. that they'll they'll move on. I didn't even think about it up. that. I didn't think it through that much, it's but perfect. that's what ended up working. I said, "Listen, I can't afford nothing, but you can have your own bedroom, and you just make sure nobody dies." And since those guys want to masturbate, <laughs> they want their own room. You brought it up. <laughs> I'm doing it in my area, so your house. Anyways, so I and I really I never forget and all these guys text me. There's there's actually do, a couple dozen really that went through the house that are sober and they text me cuz you form attachment. Like I could have never formed just showing up 9 to 5. That house was magical. Right? Right. For that 2 years that I lived there, dozens and dozens of kids went through there, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was it was a blessing to me, and it hopefully it seems to have been beneficial to them. Unlike the cattle call of sober livings that they had been in, you know, some of them in Florida. Like Ryan had been in Florida, like five rehabs, and like how do they? How many rehabs are there in Florida? There it's as be. bad as California, from what I understand. But but the ones in California, at, for the most part, we're held to a higher standard, aren't we? State of California holds to a higher standard, well, I think. Just, just California in general is better than Florida. Yeah. And if you're going to have a business, you have to do, you know, workers' comp and all the shit that is involved in... Florida doesn't even have state taxes, right? I don't know. They have alligators. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. Do you really know about Florida treatment or are you just talking? No, I do. I, I, I've taken quite a few people over there. And it's really shabby, right? There's, not the good ones, not like origins or good ones. But you know, there, in general, what you hear about the mills of rehabs in Florida, it's because Florida is the Wild West. We know that from our past elections. Mm -hmm. And from they pay no state taxes, right? So that means they don't have a lot of government oversight. That means that rehabs can do whatever the fuck they want until they're just doing out and out slavery which is what it sounded like they were doing a couple of years ago and that's why all these people have gone to jail right there's been a lot of um i'm not saying there's not sleaziness right. in la but i'm saying it seems really incomparable to the sleaziness of florida i i like to think so i like to think it's better here i know that it just seems like um in and there's general, good people in Florida, well, I'm there, sure. There are. There are caring people just like there are here. You know, we were talking about that uh, earlier about, you know, you know, showing up at, at work and seeing the kind of people we get to deal with on a daily basis is so cool. Getting to work with the kind of people I do in recovery is so much easier for me than going to work with not normies. I don't like that because they're not normal people, but the people that haven't gone through. So here's my quandary. If... If most of the millennials I know that seem like hopeless, helpless, lost souls got sober at Bob's house and ended up working in treatment, how do we formalize whatever it is that that experience was and patent it? Meaning, what does is, what is a treatment center job give you that other jobs don't, right? A treatment center job gives you constant reiteration of being sober right so it seems to me the important what <clears throat> now here's an interesting thing that's what the 12-step world is supposed to do 
right. supposed to constantly reiterate, like, sober is great. Sober is, and and <clears throat> honestly, you know, I got it from the 12-step world, and then it just became natural. Like, sober is way better. I don't know what I was thinking for all those years. Well, for people like us, not for everybody. That's that's the thing. Is, is it a, sober not way better for certain people? For me, it's 100% better because that's as much percent as you can be better. It's not 110% better. But yes, because it's, it's if I were to get loaded today, I guarantee it'd be a suicide run because that's the way my last run was. It was no fun. It was ugly. And that's not for everybody. But for me, sober is the opposite side of dying and it is living that's not true for everybody that's why people that aren't aren't alcoholics or alcohol uh, drug addicts or alcoholics don't understand what i do or why i do it but what but think about it so you're saying that these kids or this these all these addicts that have access to hope and change and and living a way better life than the life of a using addict they just think that life is not much different sober how can you like then they need then we need to explain to them because they may be too uh blind to see how much better it is you don't need money all the time you don't have to prostitute yourself you don't you're not sick all the time you're not pooing your pants constantly you don't have to fear the police constantly you don't have to be ashamed to look your mother in the eye just those right off the top of my head mm -hmm. i think young people are not realizing and maybe us as elders aren't explaining it like no i'm not talking about you get a nice house or you get a mercedes benz or something that's all bullshit that our society tells you you have to have to be happy meaningful relationships is how you have true happiness right that's the truth of it meaningful relationships those are good centered a centered spirit right hmm. a lack of shame a minimal amount of guilt right feeling purposeful these are what lead to the, the to happiness and freedom not money and cash and prizes so then if the kids are saying well sobriety is no different than that you got to say well maybe not yet right but i was in a unique position where i was at 17 years sober in the exact same house living the same quality of life as people with six weeks sobriety so i was in a, a unique position to say dude we're all fucked uh, it's, it's not that's because you're a bad husband apparently i know i am a bad husband uh, you must be because otherwise you wouldn't have been in that position you know what i am i could tell you if you really want to know okay. i am i am not the most attentive person to another person's needs no and bill wills uh, or uh, dr paul writes about this in the big book what does a doctor addict alcoholic really say it says i'm really good at helping new guys or criminals or whatever I'm loving and hopeful and helpful at the twelve-step meeting, but when I get home, I go, "You scrawny bitch! How come you didn't wash the dishes?" Right, right. That's what he says. Which I've always been fascinated with that new pair of glasses being misquoted because he's oh. talking about his wife. New, yeah, new pair of glasses is Chuck, but that's that's different. But no, he he copied it from Doctor Paul. 
It's what Dr. Paul says in, in yeah. Addict Alcoholic right. is I need a new pair of right. glasses. I need to start seeing my wife for the wonderful, perseverant, talented, unique, and special gift of God that she is. Not this scrawny, and he keeps using the word scrawny or thin or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, what era do you live in? Like, that is the desirable, right. it <laughs> you is, know uh, what I mean? Scrawny, whatever. So I just love that thing that in the big book described what I am in relationships and i need to change that and i need a new pair of glasses and i'm trying to have some on now and be different and be attentive and be home and be present and have dinner and and ask how your day went right well you know that's, that's how you have a successful right. marriage i think See, I, I, well i was not doing that right, right. no <laughs> that's how i ended up on the couch of my own sober living <laughs> well you, you learned apparently because i'm trying everything's that was some right deep now. pain that was some deep pain and deep embarrassment. You know, I was embarrassed by that. Yeah, but you, you know what? I, it's funny because seeing you in that situation, it didn't look like an embarrassing situation. It was like, damn, he's doing No, I good. liked it. I liked cool. being around your son. I like, can we admit that your son was living with me? Yeah, Okay. Sure. So he and I like painted it, the garage, remember? It was so right? great. Elvis helped. It was so cool. No, it was he, so cool. he had good times going up to the, the Hollywood sign yeah. and hanging out and having the the freedom to make mistakes. The the way you the way you did it was there was a whole lot of right, and that's that's what I well, in my opinion, needed a whole lot of right. But a lot of people don't agree with me either. You know, but I I'm from the same hands off sort of let people make their own mistakes. They can't learn how to live unless they're screwing up. They don't need there was a method to a my madness. There was, because here's what I had done. Uh, almost all of the kids there, outside of a couple of old friends of mine, one from North Carolina, one from Chicago, that just came to be around me and I detoxed them or whatever. But for the most part, the 70 or 80 or 100 kids that went through there over a four-year period of time were all multiple, some 18 and 20 treatment center kids. And I wanted to give them, like, okay, well, they failed every time when they went for 90 days to Hazelden. They failed every time when they went to two months at Northbound. They failed, you know, six weeks at uh, Malibu Rehab. They failed at Cry Help. A lot of them have failed Cry Help. Mm. You know what I mean? If you, if you fail passages and Cry Help, Bob's house is the last stop on the block. <laughs> you know what there I mean? There is no Bob's house anymore, so you can't say that. There is. It's still going. Yeah, but Bob's not there. But I'm not living there, though. That is the drag. But anyways, it was all multiple kids that had been in treatment their whole adult lives. And I gave them, I said, I don't know. What do you think? You're a fucking grown-ass man. Think you should walk to the liquor store right now to get some cigarettes at 1 o'clock in the morning? What could happen? <laughs> <laughs> I know what could happen. What are you? You're what could happen? Let's just think about what could happen. People don't know where your house is. You're about a, a seven, eight minute walk from Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> and there's about every problem in the world. Yeah, they always want to, and they. So a lot of them would walk. I don't know if people know Hollywood, but Beechwood Canyon goes up to the Hollywood sign. It was about halfway up Beechwood Canyon, and you can walk. Literally, it'll take you like. Five minutes to walk down, eight minutes to walk back to that 76 station to get cigarettes, right? Yeah. But they always wanted to go to the 7-Eleven on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> you ever course. been there? Because all the crack addicts are sitting there and they all sit on the steps and they're like, what you want? What you want? And I was like, so, so it's one o'clock in the morning and, 
and you need cigarettes and you're going to go out and go down to 7-Eleven and uh, what could happen? And many times they said, you know, I never saw it that way. And I never said you can't go there or that'd be dumb or you're going to use or all the stuff that had been sent to them for sometimes years and years and years. I said, let's just think about this for a second. What's, What's down there? There's hookers down there. There's drug addicts down there. There's people selling dope down there. Bad there's guys pot. and cops. Bad guys <laughs> and cops is all there is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm staying clear. And I was like, why don't you just borrow three cigarettes? It is one o'clock in the morning. You just need one right now and one when you wake up. And then you can head on down the hill at Start. eight in the morning. They'll still be there at <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning, but you'll be safer. You know, It'll be light out. You might have up. a different perspective. Yeah. So anyways, I want to figure that out. And what we're trying to do is, I believe that there is a population that has been over-therapeutized. And Mike Tyson invented <laughs> That's that. That's not a word. <laughs> Mike Tyson invented it. Trust oh. me. Mike Tyson came up to Mike me and goes, I've been therapeutized, Bob. <laughs> Therapeutized. No, he, did. he did. He'd been in treatment for like two years, the poor guy. Oh, no. He'd been therapeutized. That's not good. He's a funny guy. He's a smart guy. He knew that he was making up a word. It was funny. And he plays that a lot. But but I've always taken that. That was like 15 years ago. He said, I've been therapeutized. And I was like, God, so many people have been therapeutized. <laughs> They really have. Right. Especially if you went to rehab when you were like 16 and you're still in rehab when you're 24. Like you've been therapeutized. Well, I mean, I feel so bad when I when I see these guys. I go, you're so lucky you landed here because you're not going to hear the same Therapeutization? You don't do therapeutization? That's a new word same, too. You, the, the, what, <laughs> what happens, you know... I don't know how they do it. I, sometimes I'll be sitting in a group, I'll be doing a group and going, I can't do this again. So I'll mix it up and yeah. find somebody talking about something over there. Or, hey, let's bring that in. Yeah. Let's talk about some real time thing. What's going on right now? What's happening with this group? What's happening? How come you're sitting over there when yesterday you two were sitting together? Anything to get them into the here and now to make it relevant. So we're not just talking out of a book or talking about theories. We're bringing right down into right here now what's really going on. And once they start, once they start talking, they hear what they think. And they don't know what they think. A lot. I'm still like that. I don't know what I think until I start talking. Then I know what I believe. Because yeah. it, it, up in here, it's just a, it's a fucking mess. If you, you know what? Uh, there's a great writer named... Uh, I forget. Um, it's either Lillian Hellman or Virginia Woolf said, I do my best listening when I'm talking. <laughs> and it is in the moment that you can hear yourself talking, you can analyze it as to whether it's true or not true and whether it really makes sense or not. At least I can. That sounds like what you're saying. Right. Because I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually just full of shit. And yeah, so, so, and, it. and my thing has always been like, I don't really care about making money. I want to make a living. I want my kids to be able to, you know, have a comfortable life, but I don't really care about making millions of dollars. And so many people in the treatment industry are so obsessed and want to attach to me to make millions of dollars. It's been going on since celebrity rehab and I always very guarded about it and whatever. And I, I never understand, like in the end, you're going to make millions of dollars off human suffering. And the priority should be of treatment is you want to affect positive outcomes in people's lives. Right. And I figure if you make, 
if you can affect some positive outcomes in people's lives and particularly in young people's lives, you will make a good living, right? Why does it have to be, why does everything in America have to be franchised? Why does everything in America have to be multiple millions and multiple billions of dollars? Why can't it be like, God, you see, uh, I live comfortably in this house, $3,300 a month. This is a pretty great place to live. You know what I mean? What? Yes. So, so I have to make like 10 grand in order to be able to live here, right? 10 grand at my age, I haven't worked in the industry for 20 years. Now, I could get twice that if I just sold my ass to one of these fucking scumbags. I could. <laughs> They offered to me all the time, come out, I'll give you, you know, whatever they're giving you, I'll give you twice as much. I'm like, oh, but I'm good with half as much because I know what comes with your twice as much. You know what I mean? It means equine therapy and, like, <laughs> and massages and gourmet food. Like, I don't care yeah. about that shit. I eat a fucking McDonald's, you know? So if it's good enough for Warren Buffett, it's good enough for me, right? Okay. So... So I've just been fascinated by this experience I had in Hollywood was magical. Kids that no one ever thought could get sober got sober there, right? Kids that, how about this? Kids that once a treatment center, friends of mine that had treatment centers knew that that kid was there, they called me and said, you better watch out for that kid. I was like, dude, you're going out of your way to fucking funk out a little kid? I know. They, he goes, well, do you have, you know, this is what happened when he was just one place. And I go, yeah. Like, so. Why, why can't the kid have a fresh start? Why do people got to. <laughs> why do they you know, do that? Can you imagine you that? Know, it, and I just liked the kid a million times more and showered more love no, on him. Because I just love. Now, now I just love yeah. the kid. He fucking, he, you know, he stole the TV set in some fucking fancy yeah. area. <laughs> how, how, many times, how many times have you met somebody who's supposed to be completely incorrigible completely you're, you're not going to be able to work this with this kid he's not going to listen to you he's not going to and uh, so i do my best to not hear it then i meet the person and they're absolutely none of that does america here's one thing that america america loves to demonize people and then send them away for to the to the nether world forever right do they ever realize that nobody goes away forever they're coming back whether it's five years or 10 years or whatever, with all these harsh sentences and all this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. they're coming back. Oh, yeah. And you've cast them into the netherworld. What kind of condition do you think they're going to be in 10 years from now coming back? Right? I always thought that with the three strikes law. Like, what? 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 Like, uh, how? So they're not going away for life, but they are going away for a really ridiculously unfair amount of time. So they're going to get out when they're like 50 after having been in prison for 22 years, boy, that should be a, that should be a good guy That's to a have around, yeah. right? So, and they do this with, with, with kids in the treatment world. They're not worthy. They fucked under, you know, they stole money. A lot of them get these checks. Have you heard about this? I love this. So Blue Cross sends the checks that's supposed to go to the rehab to mm. the client. Have you oh, heard I've about this? I've have you heard them. about it? I've gotten them. Oh, for, for your son? Yeah, where people didn't do the billing correctly, and we got all the checks money right sitting at the house. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> and we had to go out of our way to find out who would take it. So, it was so, so hard some, to get rid of. Some of my friends, which I got a lot of kooky friends, I've been around a long time. Some of my friends consider that the client is stealing the money from them, and I was like, "No, you're just that's just a fucked up, dumb, mass way of doing things." So, so the idea was they're going to pay thirty grand to this kid. 
and then he was going to give it to you, and you agreed <laughs> to that? Derp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He stole it. He ran away with money he owes us. I was like, I guess he can send it to collections. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, it's, it's true. We, and they sent the checks to my, in my wife's name. You're kidding. No, I'm not. Not even in his name? No, because it was our insurance that he was riding under. And he went to several different places. So we were having to go through and look at the dates on a calendar, see where he was to see who would get what money because there wasn't a place <laughs> on it. It was just coming to us. How and so crazy there's like 9,000, 10,000, 7,000. Does I, it go through your tax ID and you got to pay taxes on it? No, because we don't cash it. Oh, you just get you just give it to them and they just sign give it, it on to them because otherwise it would be you know income or something that we'd have to. How crazy is that but system? I never even knew that existed. You know, we and we had people where, where she would say, "Okay," um, and they'd say, "Oh, we'll send somebody down to pick that up tomorrow." <laughs> I'm and, sure and they would. They wouldn't send somebody to pick it down, so we'd have to call them up and go, "Okay, we're going to send it registered mail." Oh no, no, don't do that. Well, do you guys want your money or not? And so we were doing all the footwork. No one contacted us. You're trying for to pay the rehab. Center. We were trying to pay them. And, oh and one my of the God. places, it was just like, I, I knew that they were having problems and having to let people go. And I said, I'd love to give you $17,000 if you'd like it. And it was a problem. So, so a couple of the kids that I got calls from treatment centers, and you'll love this, and our professional friends at home will love this. One place calls and goes, You better watch out for that kid because he's a criminal. And oh. I was like, Oh, he's a criminal. Oh. Oh, well, I would always joke like, well, there's not a lot of stuff to steal around here. And trying to make light, like, I don't know why you're calling me. I don't know what this is about. And he goes, well, I'm just trying to give you a heads up that if you're, if you're doing drug testing, the checks are going to go to him and he's going to keep them. I go, well, I don't do drug testing. So I guess that's money that I'm not going to be billed and it's not going to happen. And he goes, how do you stay in business? This one guy, an old friend of mine, how do you stay in business? And I go... I keep my overhead low and I and I, you know, try to do the best I can. What what are you talking about? Do I know? Yeah, I could test every kid here and for $1000 a day and make a bunch of money. Yeah, I'm pretty aware of that. I've been probably aware of that since before you were even sober. But it's unethical <laughs> and it's wrong. It's unethical and it's wrong. Right. Right? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's unethical and wrong. I don't know why the insurance companies love that shit. They they don't they pay for it. Yeah, but they're they're really they're really harsh on paying out for it. Um, they're they're getting smarter. You know, as my friend uh, Mary, I saw it on her. Uh, here we are on the Facebooks again. I don't get on there very often, so I run through it. But she was saying there was somebody had a post about body brokering, and she was like, you know what? If things keep going like this in two or three years, it's going to be like it used to be, and people are going to have to. That's put what I believe. Couches. I believe that. And, and and Mary called it. You know, and I, was I like, believe it. I, I, it's that's the way the industry is heading. If what's no, we'll go. I call it back to the basics. It's going to go back to the basics. There's yeah. no doubt about it. All the equity funds and all the people other, are going to be out. And there. I'll tell you what. I grew. I came up in, in. I started working in treatment in 1999. Right. So how long? 18 years ago. So it was the the number one rule of treatment was if I gave you a patient to detox you give them back to me there was no it was just known like it's my patient um i only have iop or or i don't have a detox unit or mm -hmm. um it's a client that i had that's relapsed for a couple weeks i want you to detox him i want to put him back in sober living because i don't want to contact the court that he's messed up there was all this real like 
trust amongst treatment professionals, competitors. And reciprocity. Right? <laughs> yeah. You do this, and I'll do this, and you do this. Uh, I love well, they, they, yeah, and they would never, you know, and and nothing ever happened wrong. It was, I can tell you who ran, Harold Owens ran Music Cares, I ran MAP, um, uh, Lori, this girl ran Exodus, Patricia Myers ran Promises, who still runs Promises, um, Marlene ran Cry Help, Wallace ran the Detox Unit Cry Help, everybody was on the up and up. Now, everybody was in competition with each other, just like there was today, today, but there was just an honor amongst things like, I just, and I would say at Cry Help, I just want to detox him and put him in, in living in recovery. Like he's, he's, he's not going to survive Cry Help. I don't want him going to Malibu. I just think I could better treat him and better look after him if he just detox him, get him in sober living, get him an outpatient at my outpatient in Hollywood. Let's just do that. And everybody would say, okay. Now you got people, well, I don't know, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're acting ethical, like, oh, that seems pretty crazy. No one questioned it was my client. I could do what, you know, I thought was right. I cared about my clients. I wanted good outcomes for them, right? right. right. And so, you know, we're going to continue these conversations as to, uh, you know, I, I know what I'm hoping is a lot of treatment professionals will listen to Chuck and I. We've worked in treatment a long time. We're going to talk about the history of treatment. We're going to talk about what we have observed. I'm going to tell you, I stumbled on something out of complete accident, out of desperate divorce accident that works, which is really being present in your clients' lives. So much so that, you know, it was kind of crazy that I lived with them. But, but you know, though some slipped up and some had a had a uh, tough time staying sober because there wasn't a lot of structure. They didn't go back to rehab very often. They'd slip up for a day or two. I'd say, I'm gonna put you in cry help for 72 hours and you can come back, no harm, no foul. And they would go for that. And they would learn from that. Like, you know, and listen, you know, this thing was magical, right? I wanna help people realize that that thing was the presence of, of a highly skilled uh, clinician present with their clients. Right? And, and you know what? I just thought of something. The other thing that's really great about that is they got to see someone living real life. Oh, I would not, share with them not just my not anger just, and my fucking misery. I heard you came down from the mountaintop a couple times. <laughs> and you had some come to Jesus talks. For an atheist, that was pretty rough. But, yeah. but you know what? But it was truth. And it was, it, was the way, truth. it was the way they needed to hear it. And they may not like the way they heard it, but they heard it. But instead of just being the guy that's been there the longest telling them what to do, there was someone living real life. Places to go people to see things to do you're playing right into my hand Chuck. Uh oh that's the way the 12-step world used to be people with 18 uh. years sober that were going through a divorce used to share about it and you know what they don't anymore because they think it's a bad message for the newcomer you're kidding me. out of pride out of what's called false pride and i you know i had one of my best friends i got sober with came over to my house big guru in hollywood and he goes can i show you something and i was like going on he took his shoes off and he showed me the bottoms of his feet they're all blistered he showed me his hands they're all blistered i go what's going on and he goes i've been to two doctors and they think it's stress related i go dude what's what are you stressing about and he goes i don't know 
And then he told me some of these gigantic fears he's having, fears of car accidents, fears of being trapped in an elevator, fears of, I was like, dude, you're having, you're having some things you need to see a doctor and you need maybe medicine for. And he goes, they already told me I need medicine. I, I don't want medicine. I was like, oh my mm. God, dude, you have blisters in your hands and feet. You're scared to get in an elevator. You're scared to drive a car. And when I see you shared in a meeting, it's all about, you know, the steps and the fucking da 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 And I was like, oh my God, dude, I think I know how to fix this. And he goes, why do you think I'm here? And I go, okay, start sharing about it. Obviously, you can't, after what you've been sharing the last five years, you can't just blow people's minds with everything, but piecemeal it out that you're having some difficulties that you're having some anxieties that you're having start sharing about it the freedom is in letting it out from inside us out right that is the freedom right to say i was abused i i suffer from anxiety i think about killing myself i think about you know i'm i to admit what's going on in your world that's the basic tenant of the whole thing and that's what I was doing, and that's what worked. I let the kids know I'm sad, I'm fucking miserable. I don't know what to do. I feel like a loser, and they would say, "You're not a loser, Bob." And I would say, "Well, that that makes me feel a hell of a lot better." Days. What do you know? <laughs> 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 fucking millennials. <laughs> fucking millennials. What the fuck do you know? I'm a loser. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I'm going back but on my side. I, you know, it's. Other than my first two years, yeah, <laughs> other than my first two years of sobriety, Chuck, yeah. that two years at Bob's House Hollywood was the best two years of my sobriety. That's excellent. And you know, when you're talking about that, it makes me sad because that's what I you're get. You're a kid. That's Your little son what? came over and played with Elvis for a couple yep. times. It was so fucking great. And part of me thought, like, We've got our children playing in the garage of a sober living. And how cool. And, and, and Bug still talks about it. I was going to have them come up here tonight, but I didn't know what the situation Let's was. Let's do a podcast on the weekend and they can play here. That's cool. But this is way better than a garage of a sober yeah, living. With all those kids home. But, you know, that makes me sad. But that's why I like my home group is because they've seen me at my worst. It's, you never hear anybody go, well, you know what, last week, why I was a little standoffish is because I was going through some stuff. People come in and they, t I've seen that. Be honest and but share. But people come in and we go through the stuff with people. People break down. Like there was a girl that used to cry every week and I would hand my, I'd hand my cup over to her because I told her I, I thrive on the tears of pain. And that that's how I nourish my soul. But she would go, Chuck, I need the cup. You know? <laughs> there like you go. Or she'd start sharing. And so, but things get real there and things get ugly and things get really messy. But there's always some solution to it. You know, I'm down, I'm depressed, but you know what? I'm here because this is what I do when I'm down and I'm depressed. I come and I want to talk to that guy at the break and I'm going to do this with this person. I come to see you guys because we're, we're a little family. I haven't been there for for three weeks for three sundays i haven't been to my home group and i miss it were you working on sunday no this sunday was mother's day oh right and i hung out with my mom and then before that it was something and before that it was something i never missed three weeks in a row am i cold-blooded this is the first mother's my mother died in august and i and so this is the first mother's day you know the i didn't have a mom <laughs> didn't bother me at all I don't know why. I don't know. I was, I was like, everybody was wanting me to be bothered. And I was like, 
No, because here's the thing about dead people. I have this because I... <laughs> no, because me and Mike have a lot of dead friends. So a long time ago, what, like when people here's would die, thing. I just said, well, they're not really dead. I just don't see them anymore, right? Like Rob Energy Graves changes. or Hillel. Yeah, right. But I mean, I still always think of Hillel when I drive by this apartment in Hollywood. I always think like, oh, that's where Hillel lives. He died there in 1987. Oh my God. But I, but I always associate it with good things. I love Hillel. I love Rob. I, I think about who they were and how much they enriched my mind and my life. And they're, don't, they're not dead. So this idea that, oh my God, my mom's dead. Like, not really. I mean, she lived in Oklahoma. I didn't see her on Mother's Day. But this year, I just didn't call or send flowers what, she, you know what I mean she, I asked Dr. Drew should I send flowers to my sister and he said why would you do that and I go well she's a mom too and he goes oh I don't know and so you know what I mean I didn't know what yeah, the right thing to do was a, that's not a normal question because it's your life but the but, 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 but the, I mean do you the, like, no you know what if if, if you're if someone lived a good because I always life, sent my mom flowers on Mother's that, Day well that's that's nice that's good I sent my mom flowers on my birthday on your birthday yeah She's the one that, she's that's the, fucking crazy no she's the one that did the work I didn't do the work and it's like kind of thank you for giving me this experience oh it's not a celebration of you no it's thank you for the experience oh but you don't send her nothing on Mother's Day well we hung out on Mother's Day what'd you her, do I got her a card what'd you do I went to church with her that's where what she wanted me to do which church you go to she's in uh, Costa Mesa cause do you know who Tim's story is in Fullerton no I go to that church sometimes. No, I'm I, an atheist, but I go no. to Bible study. Is that no, weird? No, because there's, there's, there's some good stories. Why can't, why, I mean, there's some great stories. There. No, because there's community there, and there's love there, and there's honesty there, and there's human beings caring about each other there. And it's really cool. And it doesn't it, exist at, like, Derwiner Schnitzel. You need to come to the meetings I go to because they exist. It exists in the meetings no, I go it to. Mean, it exists at some some of the and, meetings. And at my and at my folks' church, it was there, and it was really cool. And it was cool to see them in their environment because I never get to see them being amongst their people. So I got to see them walk amongst their people, and it was kind of cool. There you go. All right. Well, we're gonna leave it there and talk to you next time. Uh, don't die in the meantime. If That's you're an addict listening die. to this show, please don't die. And think about that. It's real simple not to die. Don't mix benzos and opiates. Yep. Don't shoot fentanyl-laced heroin ridiculously unquantified. Don't yep. don't go direct to fentanyl because you've heard it so great. That is that uh, I'm going to measure the dumbest of the dumb. Well, kids are doing this now. <laughs> you don't you need a microphone or stay out of my ears. Mike Mark, me. the the wonderful producer of our podcast just said don't go to church, go to Derwiner Schnitzel. So that will we'll leave you that with that thought. <laughs> yes, well, that's what he uh, said. That's some of the worst Good night ever. everybody. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, this is Bob and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595 0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.